who's ready for part two of Life Hacks? All right. (laughs) I hope you're that enthusiastic at the end of the sermon. Um, We're in a series called Life Hacks where we are exploring a better way to live. How do we live life better? How do we get better at life? Uh, And this series is, is based on the phrase Life Hacks. Life hacks, for those, that you, uh, those, of, those of you that don't know or if you're over 30, this phrase life hacks is a relatively new term, and I'm going to give you the definition for it. The definition of a life hack is a technique or a strategy that makes some aspect of your life more efficient, an insight that makes life less complicated, an instruction for a better life. Now, usually life hacks are like kind of small. They're like, you know small things in life that they're, they're kind of an issue that you try to figure out how do, how do I work through this thing or how do I, how do I make this little part of my life better? Um, and, and, and so there are thousands of their websites and blogs and videos and pictures with life hacks. And, and so I thought I would just start off by giving you a few of those kind of life hacks, because if you don't get anything else out of the sermon, at least you'll have something tangible, some life hack. Um, the, the, the first one is if you're in a car and it's too hot, you can put a koozie on your stick shift and then you won't burn your hand. That's a little life hack. Ingenious, right? Useful? Not that, not that useful, actually. Um, if you're on vacation and you've got dirty clothes in your suitcase, what you do is you throw a couple pieces of soap, a couple bars of soap in your suitcase with your dirty clothes and it'll make them smell fresher and it won't be so musty and stale. Life hack. You guys are not impressed with these life hacks. These are not impressive. I, I got to tell you, it's starting to get slim pickings. I've been on the, on the internet trying to find good life hacks, and last week's were better. Um, what's our last one, Don? Here's our last one. Oh, yeah, if you're out at the beach and you need to go down to the water, but you want to preserve your, your, your valuables, you can cut open a suntan lotion container, clean it out, put your phone and your keys in there, and then nobody will know that that's where your valuables are. Useful, right? Um, you might get a sunburn, but you'll know where your keys are, so then... It's all good. Um, anyway, so those are the kind of life hacks you are likely to find online. But I don't know about you. I, don't, I tend not to stay up at night worrying about how to keep my laundry fresh on vacation. It's just not something that, that, just, that just like eats at my soul, right? It's not something I'm like, God, how do I do that? Oh, bars of soap, right? I need life hacks for bigger areas of my life. These are great life hacks for minor issues. I need some life hacks for the big issues, Right? How do, I, how do I do relationships better? How do I do better in my relationship with my, with my wife? How do I do better at that, right? For those of you that are single, maybe you're dating. I need some dating life hacks. How do I date? Who do I date? When do I date? Why do I date? Where do I date? How long do I date? When do I break up? Well, you know, uh, we need life hacks. Some of you might be finances, right? Like you need some life hacks because the financial strategy that you've been using is not working. It's not working out. And so you need some life hacks, right, for your finances. Some of you, it might be your kids. How do I, how do I get along with these kids better? How do I help them flourish? Some of you are going to need life hacks, you know, in a, in, a, in a couple weeks, right? As family holidays start to come around, you're like, how do I get through Thanksgiving dinner, Lord? Uh, what's my life hack? It's not a bottle of tequila. I need something better than that. 
All right, give me something better, Lord, right? So, so we're, we're exploring the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs gives life hacks for the big things in life. I mean, every area of your life, relationship, sexuality, finances, um, money, career, work, job, marriage, it's all in there in, in the book of Proverbs, right? And so what we're going to do today, we're going to explore a few, a few life hacks from the book of Proverbs, uh, and we're going to focus on a particular area of, of, of our life. I'm going to give you three life hacks throughout this um, sermon, but they're all based on the same principle or the same truth that is applicable to everybody across uh, across the world at all times and all cultures. And it's, it's also a life hack uh, that will, a, a set of life hacks that will enhance almost every area of your life. It will enhance your relationships. It will enhance your job. It will enhance your um, interactions with your family. Uh, in every area of your life, these life hacks that I'm about to give you are, are going to be very useful. And they are all premised on one basic truth, and that is this. Your words have power. Your words have power. That's the basic truth or the basic uh, um, uh, axiom, the basic reality that we're, we're going to use today to look at some of the underlying life hacks from the book of Proverbs. Turn to the loudest person in your row and say, your words have power. Get, get with me. Get with me. Okay, good. All right. We're going to explore. We're going to explore the power of words, the power of your words. On October 21st, 2007, uh, a fire broke out in Southern California. And this fire just started ravaging the countryside. 38,000 acres of, of hill country in Southern California and Los Angeles County were scorched by this fire. 68 structures were destroyed by this fire. Uh, 21 of those were houses. 15,000 people were evacuated from their homes because of this fire. This fire just swept through Los Angeles County. Five people were injured by this fire, including three civilians and, uh, and two, forced, uh, two firefighters. And it just caused millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of property damage all through Los Angeles County. And so Los Angeles County and the Sheriff's Department and the Fire Department got together and, and sent out their arson investigators to figure out what happened. How did this fire start? What, you know, what caused these millions of dollars of damage, these injuries that people sustained, the houses that were destroyed? What happened? How did this, how did this happen? And after all of their exhaustive uh, investigation... What they discovered is that this fire that raged over 38,000 acres and caused all kinds of damage was caused by a 10-year-old boy and one of these. A single match. A little tiny match this big caused a fire that spread 38,000 acres. It wasn't maliciously done. It was just a little boy carelessly playing with a match. Now, this match looks pretty innocuous. It doesn't look very powerful. It hasn't struck fear in your heart as I hold it up right now. It's, not a, it's a benign sort of looking object. But inside of the structure of this little match is incredible power. Incredible power, even, even though it's just tiny. The Bible says that your tongue, your words are like a match. They have the power 
to scorch the land around you and the land under you. They have the power to burn you up or they have the power to bring warmth and hope and safety. Your words are like a match. They have power. Your words have power. Jesus' brother, a guy named James, was a big life hacks fan. He loved Proverbs. James, Jesus' brother, loved Proverbs, read Proverbs, studied Proverbs. And then when it came time for James to write his own book, he borrowed material from Proverbs and put his, his own spin on it. And I want to read you what Jesus' brother says about the power of words. He says this, Consider what a great... Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Tiny little match. The tongue, he says, your words, the tongue is a fire. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse other human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise And cursing. Your mouth, your words have the power to bring healing or they have the power to bring pain. They have the power to bring redemption or they have the power to bring condemnation. They have the power to bring joy into somebody's life or they have the power to bring judgment. Your words are as powerful as this little match, right? They can bring, they can wreak destruction or they can bring life. And James is saying, James is actually quoting from Proverbs because of, of the Solomon put it even more precisely. He said this, the tongue has the power of life and death. The words you speak matter. The words that have been spoken to you matter. Many of you here today can think back to words that were spoken to you at some point in your life that still resonate with you. They are as clear in your mind today as they were 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Something that someone said, either a, a damaging word or an encouraging word. And that, that those words either harmed you or they edified you. They, they brought you down, they broke you down, or they built you up. Those words have power. We have power in our words. And so Solomon, who was a king who wrote this, he, he literally knew the power of words in the sense that if Solomon said as king, that person should die. That person would be dead within an hour. That was the power of his words. It had the power of law. If he said, that person, I want them to have a million, a million dollars. Within an hour, that person would be a millionaire. That was the power of words. But Solomon said, it's not just for the king. All of us have power, great, great power in our words. So I want to give some, some wisdom some hokmah, right? Some, some, some life hacks around this, this reality that our words have power. And, and I want to teach you, he says, about what to do with the way you speak, how you speak, when you speak, why you speak, when you don't speak. And I want to give you this, these life hacks because they will, they will affect everything in your life. Not only your life, but the people around you. They'll affect your career, but they'll also affect other people's career. They'll affect your life, but they'll also affect your friend's life and your boyfriend's life and your girlfriend's life and your husband's wife and your life and your children's life. They'll affect everything about you. And so he gives us these life hacks, and I'm going to go through three of them. Um, and, and they're relatively simple to, to grasp, 
They're not, that always, they're not always that simple to implement. But let me give you the first one. The first life hack from Solomon about the power of our speech is this. Speak less. That's his first life hack. Speak less. Now, that's not an easy thing for a, a preacher to say in the middle of his sermon. Because people might just be like, amen, preacher. Practice what you preach, preacher. Pull it in. Uh, but speak less. I don't know about you, but I am, I am really, really good at coming up with devastating retorts. When somebody says something that's mean or rude or unkind to me, I'm really good at returning at having blisteringly powerful, withering things to say to that person when they say something to me. I'm good at that. The problem is I don't think of those things until like three hours or four hours later. And that's a real bummer for me because, man, when somebody says something to me, how fun would it be just to be like, oh yeah, rapapow, and man, you just throw it right back at them. Bang! It just takes the knees out. But I, I, th- I think of them, but it's always like in the car after I'm leaving the situation, right? I had this week th- that, exact same, that exact thing happened. I was at a store. A guy said something to me. He was very rude, very unkind, not cool. And I, I'm a pastor. I should, just, I should be better at that. But, but, but I, 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 it shocked me, and I didn't know what to say. So I didn't really say that much. I just kind of went, you know, and then I got in the car. And then like a couple hours later, I called my wife. And I'm like, this guy at the store, he was so rude. And as I'm talking to her, I'm thinking of all these amazing things that I could have said. Oh, you know what I should have said? You know, but I, I, as much as I would like to be able to, to, to retort in that way, like maybe a few years ago, I really would have liked that. Now I've gotten to the point where I realize it's better that I don't come up with those statements right on the spot. Because if I did... I would use them. I would be tempted to use them. I would be praying that the Lord would stop me from using them, right? I am almost never regretful about the things I didn't say. I'm almost never regretful about my silence. But I'm often regretful about my speech. Sometimes I have to, I got to go to somebody and say, hey, I shouldn't have said that. Hey, I wish I hadn't said that, right? We're, we're, we're tempted to sort of like spill out whatever it is that comes to our mind. And the scripture teaches us we don't have to do that. Solomon says you, you don't have to do that. In fact, let me give you one of his statements on the speak less life hack. Here's what he says. He says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. In other words, the more you talk, the more likely you are to say something you wish you hadn't said. The more words there are, the more transgression there is. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. He who restrains his lips is wise. On Facebook, um, uh, that's all I have to say, on Facebook. And you're all like, yeah. Um, on Facebook, they've got like a little window where you're supposed to put your post. You know, like, you know, the little window, the like thing. And um, so in that little window, I don't know if you noticed this. It's sort of like in light gray lettering, it says something. And what it says, and it's a, it's a, it's a trigger to get you to post something. And what it says is, hi, Brent. What's on your mind? That's what it says. If you go on your Facebook and the little thing, it says, hi, your name, what's on your mind? Here's what Solomon is teaching us. You don't have to answer that question. You actually don't have to respond to that question. Mark Zuckerberg might want you to respond to that question, but God is saying, you don't have to say everything that's on your mind, right? Some people are like, well, I just like to speak my mind. Well, sometimes your mind, sometimes those thoughts that are in your mind, it would be better for them to stay in your mind for a little bit longer and then bring them out. 
for public display. Because if they were good now, they'll still be good tomorrow. But give it a little more time to, to chew on it. In fact, I'll give you three reasons that Solomon teaches us to, to, to speak less. One is that our thoughts are, are, are not fully baked. They're not fully ready for public consumption. They, they might be the beginning of a good thought, but they just haven't, they haven't had a chance to completely form yet. Even though you want to speak them right now, hang on for a second. Just hold on. We have a draft box in our, in our emails. That's my favorite place. If you were to go into my draft box, you would see a lot of emails that were never sent. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Never sent in the draft box. Um, you know, um, so, so the, the, the first reason is they're, they're, they're not fully, fully formed. Um, my, my kids, I'm the, I'm the breakfast guy at my house. I'm an early riser, so I'm in charge of the kids in the morning. I like to get the kids up. We make breakfast, we talk, and it's a nice time for us. Um, when I'm running behind and I don't have time for eggs or pancakes or something, then I do um, toasted strudels. Anybody use toasted strudels? Toasted strudels are like the advanced, they're 2.0, they're Pop-Tarts 2.0, right? I mean, they're like little, just a little nicer than Pop-Tarts, you know? They've got a nice flaky outer dough. They've got a very yummy inner crusty, delicious, warm, oozy, gooey feeling, and they're fantastic, right? And my kids love toasted strudels. So, you know, if I'm running late, I grab the toasted strudels, get them out of the freezer, put them in the toaster oven, crank it up, boom. Then when it dings, I pull them out. The kids are so happy. Augustine, my three-year-old, he's like, dad, you're the best cooker ever. I'm like, toasted strudels, son. I'll teach you that life hack one day. Um, But the other day I was making toasted strudels for him, pull them out, plop them on the plates, and they all started to eat, and then they all kind of stopped, and they have this look on their face, and I'm like, what's, what's going on, guys? And Augustine, again, you know, the food critic, uh, is like, they're not done. They're not done. You know, they're warm on the outside, but the inside is like still frozen. Now, toasted strudels are delicious when they're fully baked, but they're inedible when they're only half-baked, right? Sometimes our thoughts or like toasted strudels, all right? Sometimes our thoughts need to stay in the oven just a little bit longer, right? They might be a good thought, but just hold on to it because you may revise that thought. It may just be a subtle change in the way you say it. It might be a subtle, actually, you might end up saying the same thing, but your tone might be a little better when you hold off, when you wait. You might even learn a different way to approach the conversation. And you can communicate the same information, but but you give yourself a little more time to think it through, to glean a little wisdom, to talk it through. So that's the first reason to speak less. The second reason to speak less is that when you speak less, you hear better. When you speak less, you actually hear better. You get to hear what your friend is trying to communicate to you instead of just reacting. You get to hear what your, your, your colleague or your boss or your employee is trying to communicate. We're not all great at communicating all the time. You know, we, we screw up words. We don't say them right. They come out wrong. We say things we didn't really mean, right? But when we listen, we get to hear a little bit more. We get to understand the context. We get to understand the, the background. We get to understand the emotion behind what the person is saying to us. And more importantly, when we speak less, we can hear what God is saying to us. God is trying to speak to us all the time. He's always trying to speak to us. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through impressions in our heart. The Lord is always trying to speak to us, but he can't speak to us if we're always talking. He might be saying something profoundly important to you, but you can't hear him. He might be saying, hey, 
time to, time to break up with that person you're dating. Time, time to do that. He might be saying, hey, let's read a little bit more and put our phone down a little bit more. Let's, let's scroll less and read more. He might be saying, hey, stop beating yourself up. I've already forgiven you for that. He might be saying, uh, I affirm you. I love you completely and wholly, and I want you to experience that my grace is enough for you. He might be saying, hey, I've got a different trajectory for your life. I want you to go down. I've got a different path. I, want you. I don't know what he's saying to you, right? But you will know what he's saying to you when we stop and listen, when we hear what he has to stay, say, when we speak less and hear more. The third reason that we speak less is this. It's good for our reputation. It's actually good for your reputation to speak less. Have you ever been in an environment, I was in one a few weeks back, where there was a guy giving a lecture, and there, was, there were other people around, and the guy giving the lecture was doing a great job, but there was a gunner in the, in the room. You know what a gunner is? A gunner is a, is a person who's like, oh, but can I interject? Can I say something? Now, I've been a gunner, so I can make fun of gunners. Um, a gunner is usually a person who sits on the front row in a class, and they keep interrupting, and they, you guys are not tracking with me. You guys are, do you know what I mean? Like, it was me, so I'm, I'm, I can, but, but I'm in a lecture, and this guy is giving this actually really, really insightful talk, and there was a gunner in the room, and he kept interrupting, and he kept, and what he was really trying to do was display his own knowledge, right? But what he was really doing, what he was trying to do was display his knowledge, what he was really doing was displaying his foolishness, because everybody else in the room, except him, knew that it would be better for him to be quiet. It would have been better for his reputation if he would have zipped it. You know what I mean? In fact, Solomon says it like this. He says this. Even fools are thought wise when? When they keep silent. Even fools are thought wise. So if you want to take a step forward in your relationship, in your career, in your education, wherever, wherever it is that you're trying to step forward, one of the life hacks that Solomon gives us is just pause. Just speak less. Just hold it in. Just think about it marinate on it. Leave it in the oven for just another second. Because when you speak, which you ultimately will have to do, in fact, sometimes, it's, it, it, in some cases, we need to, you know, we need to actually speak more. You know, you know, we have to communicate more. We need to express our thoughts and opinions and feelings. And Solomon gives us a life hack for that too. He says, when it is time to speak, here's how you speak. Speak truth. That's your second life hack. Speak truth, Solomon says. When you speak, speak truth. We have a lot of phrases in our language that say, that mean the opposite of what they say. They say one thing, but they mean something else. It's kind of hard to speak the truth. So we have these phrases, right? I'll give you an example. If somebody says, um, if somebody says, um, if they start a sentence like this, um, with all due respect, you know what they're getting ready to do, right? They're getting ready to disrespect you. They're getting ready to cut your legs out. With all due respect. Um, and then they just drop the bomb, right? Uh, the other one, there's another one I like. It's like um, if they say, uh, hey, um, I don't mean to interrupt, but you know what they're getting ready to do? They're getting ready to interrupt you. What they actually mean is, I'm coming to interrupt you, right? I don't know if you've heard this one. This is a particularly good one. When somebody starts a sentence like this, I don't mean to sound racist, but. <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say that? You're like, uh, you're getting ready to say something racist, aren't you? <laughs> All right, let's hear it. What do you got? 
Um, the other one, the other classic is, uh, this is a classic. Um, I'm sorry if you were offended. <laughs> I'm sorry if you were offended. What that means is, I'm not sorry. You shouldn't have been offended. You're too sensitive. But I'm going to say something, so I'm going to say, I'm sorry if you were offended, right? So we have, we have trouble speaking the truth. Uh, I, I, I wonder, and don't raise your hand on this, I wonder how many of you right now know that there's a conversation in your life with somebody that needs to happen that isn't happening right now. There's a truth that needs to be spoken into a, com- into a relationship or at a job or with a family member. There's a truth that needs to be spoken, but you're too nervous to speak it because either you don't know what the result will be or you do know what the result will be and you don't want to bear that consequence, right? And when we don't speak truth, what we ultimately do, we think we're sort of preserving the status quo. What we're actually doing is eroding the relationship. When we don't speak honestly and forthrightly and candidly with people, we're actually eroding the relationship. Not speaking the truth is actually deceiving. You're deceiving by not speaking the truth. And it's not just to other people. Sometimes we need to speak a truth to ourselves. Sometimes we have things in our own life that need to be spoken into, the truth of which needs to be spoken into, and we are reluctant to do it because to speak the truth, to acknowledge the truth in our own life would require something uncomfortable. It would require us to do something or change something that we're not particularly interested in doing or changing. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is, this is a powerful, powerful reality. In Proverbs, uh, Solomon puts it like this. He says, deceitful speech is reprehensible to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. When we begin to speak truthfully into other people's lives and into our own life, we will experience some fallout. There will be some negative consequences, but the ultimate consequence will be life. It will be the delight of the Lord. It will be the favor of the Lord because we're actually speaking the truth. Now, Ephesians says we speak the truth in love, right? So we don't just speak the truth and like, boom, I just, I, just, I just spoke the truth and wham, deal with it. We speak it in love. We speak it with grace. We speak it with tenderness. We speak it with gentleness. And that leads us to life hack number three, and that is this. Speak life. When you speak, speak life. Last week I said this. I said, if you're not in relationships where somebody is, is pointing out your blind spots... You're not in good relationships. Remember when I said that last week, right? There's, an, there's an, another piece to that. If you're not in relationships where somebody's pointing out your strengths, you're not in good relationships. We don't only need people to point out our blind spots. We need people to point out our strengths. We need people around us who will bring us encouragement, who will bring us hope, who will uh, uh, bring us inspiration, who will show love to us, who will say, hey, I'm with you. I've got your back. I love you. I'm not, I, I'm not leaving you. I'm going to be, you were, I'm, I'm right here with you. You need people to say to you, hey, you can do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit within you, you can do it. I believe in you. I trust you. I'm proud of you. You need people to say that. And, you, and, and one, of pro, one of the Proverbs is, those who refresh others will be refreshed. So if you need that in your life, give that. 
Give those, give those encouraging words. Give those empowering words. I started this sermon with a picture, picture of a brush fire, an image of a brush fire. I want to end it with a picture of a bonfire. This is a bonfire that um, I took a picture of uh, a, long t- a long time ago, a while back, um, when my family and I were out camping. And we were out camping at Babbler Park, and uh, this, was our little, this was our little fire. And around this fire, my wife and I and our kids were all hanging out, and we were talking, and we were laughing, and we were roasting marshmallows, and we were making s'mores, and we were making s'more, s'mores, and we were, my boys just learned this week that s'more means s'more, s'more. They were so excited about that. We were roasting s'mores. <laughs> I was just, ch- I'm checking if you guys are, are awake with me. Um, and, and we were roasting hot dogs, and we were, we, we were having, we were bonding, we were, we were having a wonderful time. It was a very fruitful, nourishing, loving time for our family, right? And you know how it began? It began with one of these. It began with a match. Your words are like a match. They can burn down the house, or they can create a bonfire. They can create destruction, or they can bring warmth and safety and security. They can bring despair, or they can bring encouragement. They can bring death, or they can bring life. The question is, what are you doing with the power of your words? Today, I just want to close by encouraging you in those three life hacks. Because I think that each and every one of us, even this week, will find opportunities to put those life hacks into practice. The first one, speak less, right? This week, find that moment. You might have your fingers on the keyboard. You may have already typed the post, but you haven't pushed send or publish, right? You might have the retort in mind, but find a moment to pause and listen this week. Find a moment to pause and try to hear what somebody else is saying. Find a moment this week to pause and hear what the Lord is saying into your life. You might be surprised by what he's trying to speak into your heart when we stop and listen. That's number one. Number two, speak truth. This week, if there's a conversation that needs to be had, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Have the conversation. It may be an apology. It may be a confession. It may be a confrontation. It may be a conflict. I don't know what it is. You do. Whatever it is, I challenge you, speak truth. Now, if you need to figure out how to speak truth, get some wise people, some people with some wisdom around you and say, hey, how do I address this situation? What would be the best approach for me to have this discussion? I need to have a discussion with somebody. How do I do that, right? This week, speak truth, especially as we're leading into the holidays and there are gonna be, there's potential for conflict and struggles and strife, right? There needs to be truth in the midst of that. And the third one is, this week, speak some life into somebody. Speak some encouragement. Speak some hope. Speak some peace. Speak some love into somebody's life this week. And you know what? I wanna, I wanna, take it one little step further. This week, speak some life into yourself. Speak some life into yourself. Sometimes we need to pause and go, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's truth. That's life. 
That's real. Sometimes we need to stop and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Sometimes we need to stop and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's truth. That's life. We speak that into our own life. Whatever it is that needs to be spoken this week and whatever it is that needs to be restrained this week, I want to challenge you. Take the step. Make it happen. Because you can build a brush fire or you can build a bonfire. It's all in the power of your words. So how are you going to use that power this week? Close your eyes with me and let me pray for you as we close. God, your word is is so precise and so insightful into the human heart. And all of us here know that these words resonate with us. They, They impact us. They are meant for us. They apply to us. And so, God, I would just pray that you would use your word through this sermon that was spoken today and let it drop seeds of truth into the hearts of every person here. I pray that something from this time today would just stick. It would just resonate into people's hearts and into their lives and into their minds. Because God, we want to live that better life that you have for us. We want to experience the flourishing that you have for us. We want to fulfill the potential that you have for us. We want to pursue the goodness that you have for us, God. And so we ask that you give us the strength, the wisdom to know and the courage to do what you've called us to do. Help us to speak when we should speak. Help us to restrain our speech when we should restrain our speech. And help us, Lord, when we do speak, to speak truth and to speak life into those around us. Let us be a source of life and a source of strength and a source of hope for everyone that we meet. Father, I pray for every single person here. Let this message marinate in their hearts, God. Let it take root. Let it bring honor and glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.